hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. I've got a, I've got a, a, a series of messages here. I'm going to crack open something today that I don't know that I'm going to be able to uncrack once I crack it, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, I grew up, and, and I, I thank God for, I ran into somebody the other day that I, I knew when I was a kid growing up in church, and I, or I ran into a person that knew a person in there, and I kind of reflected back a little bit, thinking, you know, there was a lot of craziness that went on when you were young and if you were raised in church, but I thank God for a lot of that foundation, even though maybe some of it was just a little out there a little bit, maybe didn't get me in the right direction, but I thank God for that foundation. Um, at, least, at least it kind of taught me how to be disciplined in church, uh, learning about God, and and they were teaching us all that they knew at the time of that revelation. And what I've kind of come to realize is I've, I'm learning to appreciate some of that heritage and that foundation that we had, even though today it seems like we've progressed um, more than what it was. I'm wondering sometimes if I just wasn't able to handle the truth back then uh, when I was younger. Um, but one of the things that we, we preached a lot and was preaching, still preached quite a bit today, and, and it needs to be preached. Is, and then there's this argument that goes along with it, and you'll know what I mean when I say this. It says that, that he's coming back for a church without, you know, without having wrinkle, spots, um, or any blemishes or, or any such thing. And I've preached that and, 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 and preached it wrong, honestly. And uh, because I preach it sometimes to get you all or whoever I'm preaching to, including myself, I need to get him a little bit more sober, sober-minded. He's coming back after a spotless church, a wrinkled, a free church, without blemish or spot or any such thing. In other words, get your life together. You better get yourself straight. And I would preach that message, and as I'd preach it, I realized that, gosh, you know, I hope it works for everybody, because you, you gotta get yourself together. But I wanna read this, this, if you don't mind, Ephesians chapter five, verse 25. And I'm going somewhere, I'm probably gonna take the whole month of November, and then we'll end it at about, uh, Thanksgiving, because we're going to need a bunch of Thanksgiving by the time we get there. If you got that, Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, and, and you can do it in the King James, if you will, or New King James, either one. <clears throat> I'll give you time to get there. Yeah, here we go. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now watch this. Husband loves your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify, look at this, that he, who's he, he, Christ, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he, Christ, might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their, their, their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now I'll stop right there. Now who is going to present this spotless bride to the, himself? Right. And who's going to make him spotless? Right. Well, there's no sense in both of us trying to work that out. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to take some pressure off of you today, okay? I really am. I feel like I am. I'm going to put more re responsibility on you, but I'm going to take off the pressure, okay? 
So if he says he's going to, to, to make it spotless, he's gonna present it to himself, a spotless church, a spotless bride, as a husband would love their wives, he gave, but he gave himself for it, then I'm pretty sure that Jesus is capable of purifying and sanctifying you and me as he promised in that scripture. This is written in Ephesus. Paul wrote this in Ephesians. Okay, this is after the resurrection and the ascension and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The churches were already starting to get settled and Paul's teaching this in the book of uh, to, to the Ephesus church saying he's gonna present himself a bride to himself that's without wrinkle, doesn't have any spots or have any blemishes. And, you're go, and most of us have learned, man, I start evaluating, you look at all your spots, go ahead and look in the mirror. You begin, if you look long enough in the mirror, you're gonna find some spots and some wrinkles and some blemishes. I'm not talking about just physically. I'm talking about and if you start really investigating yourself. Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't take inventory. I am telling you this, that it's not your responsibility, gosh, to clean you up. It's his. It's your responsibility to follow the one that will clean you up. Make sense? Okay, now here's what happens. So as I was growing up, I heard that scripture and I preached it and I, I preached it and I preached it to maybe to, to get people a little bit motivated by fear because fear gets a great response. The best altar calls you can ever have is by fear. I'll scare the hell right out of you, right? And then people come forward. The problem is with that is next week I gotta preach the same message because if fear is a motivator, an emotional state, I've gotta preach fear every day, right? It's the love of God that draws a man and calls. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It's, it's the, the spirit of the love of God that begins to draw him, right? But once he begins to see it, things begin to change because you want to change. Your desires begin to change, right? Another one that goes along with this is this. It says, Jesus is going to come back after a church without a spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such things. And so he's coming back after that. Then say he's coming back after that. How many have heard he's coming back after a church that's without spot, wrinkle, or blemish or anything like that? Us? It doesn't say that. It says he's going to present it to himself. See, I believe Jesus is coming back. Anybody with me? I don't know the time. I don't know the hour, but we have to be prepared and ready when he comes. Amen? You all with me on that? The challenge with preaching that message that's incomplete that he's coming back insinuates that he's not here now. If I say Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, and that's the message that I lean on of his, his return is the main crux of my message. I'm insinuating to people to watch for his return because that means he's left and hasn't got back here yet. But I got news for you. He's never quit coming. He will return again in the ultimate form for, for the consummation of this thing, but he's never quit coming. And we've got to grow up and mature in a place that instead of looking for some out, outward experience to happen, there is something already taking place that's here in us that is the transformation in the, in the complete word of the gospel. Because what he said was this, but the, worst, the washing of the, uh, the water by the word. The word washes you clean as you allow it to sanctify and purify you. Right? Now, 
in our quest as growing up, we preached, he's coming back. And, and I'm not diminishing that. There was a time in my life when I felt like I needed to kind of go against that a little bit. Not that he wasn't coming back, but it became such a message that everybody forgot about now. Well, now we've got to the point where everybody's talking about now that we don't talk about him coming back. I'm telling you he's coming back, but I'm telling you he's already here. It's not either or, or it's also. Now, what do we do now until he comes back? We have to first recognize on the foundation of the word that he's already here. He doesn't have to reappear to make him more real. He's already here. You just have to recognize how he appears today versus how he appears when he comes. How he appeared back 2,000 years ago was through a virgin once he ascended, he now appears through us until one day he comes back for us. You with me? Watch, here's how it works. The Bible says in Genesis that he, God created us in his image, right? When he created us in his image and his likeness, the word image in the, in the Hebrew there means we have his representation, we have his, his, um, his tendencies, we have inside of us, when man was created, everything that was in God and the likeness of God. In other words, we had his demeanor. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You, ever, you know uh, parents that have kids and they say, you just act just like him. You act like your dad. You act just like, you got, you, you got the same mannerisms. When God created us in the image and in the, in the likeness, we had his, or had his, or Adam did, or the man did, had his tendencies, has his disposition, has his looks, has his everything. It was all made up in, in the man. That was the image that he created us, right? And the image was, so he, man, could be the representation of God all over the earth, okay? God puts him in this little segment of the, the earth called the garden, a hedged out place. And he says to him, he says, you can eat all these trees, just don't eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but you can't eat of all the others. Now, I want you to turn, if you don't mind, uh, um, Mike, back there, if you could turn it to Genesis chapter three, I'm gonna read this passage of scripture and I'm gonna break this down for you and you're gonna see what I'm talking about. This has lit me up, okay? Here we go. Genesis chapter three, verse one. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture here, but I'm gonna stop and start as we go. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, and the word serpent there means enchanter, whispering, whispering enchanter. It means that you, you're gonna hear something, and it'll mean something to one thing, but it also has the, the potential to just be twisted a little to have a different meaning, okay? So it's subtle, but yet deceiving, Okay, 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, what's this? And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant for her eyes and her a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes, here we go. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Here's what happened. So God tells them not to eat of this tree because they were made in the image of God. There was no misunderstanding It was God and man. We represent him, he's representing us. We're communicating. I'm not even aware of anything other that I'm in his image, right? I mean, I'm I'm his son. That's what Adam's going through. We're we're blood here. He's father, I'm son. We're in this thing together and I'm created in his image. Now, here's what happened. He says, the minute... You eat of that tree, you'll surely die. But the wisp, the enchanter says, he didn't say that. Surely you're not gonna die, right? In other words, what's the attack on? The attack was on the image of man. If man's self-image could go from godly representation and God's duplication or replication to seeing man in its state of dirt, if if the enemy can get you going from seeing yourself as God sees you, but seeing yourself as you see yourself in humanity, he's changed everything. He says, no, as soon as you eat that tree, your eyes are gonna be, your your eyes are gonna be open. She saw it was good for food. Listen to what happened. They ate the tree and their eyes, both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. They were naked before they ate of that tree. But they didn't know it. Do you know why? Because their focus wasn't on their humanity, their focus was on God. Their image was in his image, not in the image of the dirt. The, immediately when they started weighing out good and evil, It activated death, it activated something inside of them that changed the way they saw him and changed the way they saw themselves. If he can get you to change the way you see him, God, and the enemy can get you to say yourself differently, he has you. Why? Because you see yourself and identify yourself more with humanity, which is the dirt, which is what the enemy eats. It satisfies his soul. So the attack from Genesis at the very beginning was to get man not to see God the way God really is. Because if you see God the way he really is, you'll start seeing yourself the way he really sees you. Right? Now watch. Both their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So they, they, they clothed themselves with things that they could see, things that were growing out of the ground. And they heard a voice from the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from his presence, 
from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. One sign, and Lisa hit it today, one of the signs that you have the wrong self-image of God is you are afraid. If you hide from him, that means you see him different and you see yourself different. And, and when you say, I would never hide from the Lord. I wouldn't hide from God. The question is not so much how you are, are you hiding? What are you covering yourself with? Are you okay to be naked in front of God? Or do you have to cover yourself up in front of him? What do I mean by naked? I'm talking about raw. I'm talking about when, I'm, when, I'm, when the emotions are high and low, you're off center, you're, you're out of whack, you're mad, you're angry, you're frustrated, you messed up like they did. Do you still see him the one somebody you can run to him? Or do you hide yourself and clothe, try to clothe yourself with something that you fabricate to cover up? To prolong the inevitable coming face to face with God. Right? I'm talking to somebody today. So they covered themselves with apron. What's this? They heard the, Lord, the, the voice of the Lord and, and God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord uh, amongst the trees of the garden. What's this in verse nine? And the Lord God called Adam and said, where are you? Do you don't I think God knows everything? Yeah. Now, what kind of question is that? So anytime the Lord asks you a question, there's a good chance he already knows the answer. So you just have to really think long and hard, what am I gonna respond, right? So he says, where are you? Where are you, God, or Adam? And he wanted Adam to know where Adam was. He knew who he was, but he wanted to know Adam. Where Adam, where are you? And he said, I heard the voice in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because I saw my humanity and my insufficiency and when I did, I needed to hide. I had to guard myself from you because I see you different now because when I got my eyes off of you and your image, somehow I took my eyes on me and my image and now my image is what I see, my image is what I'm living for, living from and humanity now is guiding me rather than my relationship with you. Hmm. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Who told you you were humanity? I'm, he didn't say, listen, he didn't say, what did you do? He said, where are you? Humanity always defaults to your behavior. Your divinity in Christ always depart, departs in your relationship, defaults to your relationship. Who I am in him. If I see him accurately, I can then see myself accurately. But if I don't see him accurately, I'm gonna mess up. That's why Hollywood, that's why reality TV, all these things are blowing all over the television because there is such a poor self image of mankind that everybody's trying to copy and mimic everybody else. I'm preaching truth. Because we're so, we're so distant, we don't even, we, he's so vague right now, we don't even know. So what we've done is we've clothed ourselves with that apron of humanity that comes from humanity, we've clothed ourselves with it, 
And then what happens is we're not even sure what he looks like anymore. And we're not even really, most people are not even interested in hearing about it from the world's perspective because we're already measuring ourselves up from apron to apron. Let me see your apron so you can show me your apron. Right? What are you covering up with? You can, everybody's covering up something. And let me tell you what the cover up really, it's medication. I'm not talking about just drugs. I'm talking about anything that medicates to cover up your nakedness. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this in five minutes. <laughs> and here's what happened. He was afraid I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that that was naked? Then he says, and look at the order here. Who told you there was something wrong with you? Has you eaten of the, have you eaten of the tree where I've commanded thee not that you shouldn't have eaten? And, he, and the man said, the woman which thou gavest me, <laughs> she gave me the, the tree and I did eat. Now, we've preached this too. He's passed the buck. But she was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. The reality of that is, is he loved her so much, he wasn't about to let her go down by herself. She willingly, or she was disobedient and, and, and deceived. Adam obediently followed her, which was made him disobedient with God. He willingly partook of the fruit to follow after the one that he loved. is good stuff. More stuff's coming to me right now, but I can't get to it today. I commanded that thou should not eat. He said, the man said, the woman that thou gave me, she, uh, the, uh, the tree, I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above all, above every beast of the field. Upon the belly thou shalt go, and look, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. The dust, what's the man's made of? Dust. So flesh, you're gonna eat flesh all the days of your life. And I'll put enemy between thee and thy woman and between her seed and your seed, and it shall bruise your head and thou shalt bruise, his, your, bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. What's this? And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And to Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall grow out of the ground. It'll bring forth, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, the sweat of your brow, you shall eat thou bread, eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. You came from the ground and the dust, the dust you're gonna to return to. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Well, that didn't sound like a pretty good thing there. Mother of all living was Eve's name after just getting all those curses from God. What, what, what possessed him just to take all that, okay, here's your, eternal, your terminal punishment. Adam became terminal because he had a term placed on his life at the moment he and Eve transgressed. Okay, so then he calls, look at this. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make, look at this, coats of skin and clothe them. Here's what happened. Skin, which is flesh. He separated them. They clothed themselves in aprons of figs. God took skins and put them around them. And here's what happened. 
He says, here's the problem. Because you defaulted and put humanity ahead of my divinity and you changed your self-image and my image, the only way you're going to function right here is through a veil of flesh, of skin. So you're going to have to work real hard trying to get back up here, but you're going to fight with flesh every day of your life. And here's why I know that's to be true. What's this? And to Adam, he, he clothed them with coat, uh, coats of skin and he clothed them, clothed them. And the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, watch this, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, cherubims cover, and a flaming sword. That word flaming means also enchantment. Not just the sword, but an enchanting sword. <laughs> Watch this. And the flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Here's what he said. He said, because I made you in my image and, 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 and that wasn't good enough. Somehow you had to find yourself defaulting to humanity and now you see your humanity first. And you, you, you don't see me right. You're afraid of me. You should have never been afraid of me. You, you, you see me distant and you should have never been distant from me. You don't trust me. You're suspicious of me. You wonder if, I, if I'm going to ever answer your prayer, if I'm going to do this. And Adam, I already told you I would bring the animals to you and all you had to do was name them. I never looked at you and said, I wouldn't name that one that way. I, wouldn't, I didn't give you multiple choice. I just said, whatever's in your heart, you choose, you name them. Why? Because you're made in my image. I've called you to create and I've called you to see me the way I really am. I am pure love, I am pure righteousness, I am pure holiness, I'm pure. And if you'll see me pure, you'll see yourself pure. But the minute you begin to buy into every other, somebody else's doctrine and somebody else's uh, uh, enchantment and lies, it'll be to bring you down to your humanity so you begin to see your humanity and your failure. When you see your failure first, you'll see me and you'll be afraid of me. I need you to see me first for who I am so you can see yourself for who you are. But if you only see your humanity, you're gonna be afraid of me and distant from me. I need that gone. And because that's how you see it, I can't have you trying to live by the Spirit in the Garden of Eden, which is the Spirit. I have to put a cherubim, a cover, a flaming sword, an enchanting sword, which is the Word of God. I kinda keep it to, to keep going every way so it could be, keep way back into the garden. The only way to get into the garden, which is in the spirit, is you've got to have the right self-image of you and the right image of me. If you have the wrong image of you and the wrong image of me, and I let you stay in the spirit, you'll live forever in the wrong perspective. So I drive you out into the world, into the, he drove him, out into the world, why? So you could look from here and say, I'm 30 fold here, I'm 60 fold here, but I really want to get into the 100 fold. I need to get into the spirit. But you're clothed with flesh 
and carnality and, and humanity and your humanity and carnality can't get into the spirit. And what separates us is the word of God. So we say things like, so the word of God could be a chanting. So if I, if I say to you, he's coming back with a, for a church without spot, wrinkle or blemish or anything such thing, you better get yourself right. You better, you better repent of all of your sins. You, and, and, and I'm not saying there's a wrong message. I'm just telling you that if you hear that from the flesh and your apron of skin, you'll try to do right to get back into the garden. And the only way you get back into the garden is to hear it for how it really is, to see him for his image, so you'll begin to see you that he created you in his image. Am I making sense? This is critical. So when Jesus comes, and I'm gonna quit there and I'll pick up next week, but I gotta tell you this part. When Jesus comes, Paul is now preaching the love message in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Would you guys pull that up for me? And I'll end here. Watch this. <clears throat> is this helping anybody? It's, <laughs> he's misrepresented. If humanity represents him, it'll always be misrepresented. But if divinity represents him, he'll never be wrong. He's looking for somebody on the earth that understands his divinity, recognizes your divinity in him, and accurately represents him. When I say divinity, I'm talking about his heavenly nature. In the spirit. Watch. Paul says, although I speak with tongues of men and angels and have no charity, I am become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have no, not charity, it profited me nothing. Charity suffers long, it's kind. Love is charity, envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Watch that. Thinks no evil. So that means if God is love and it thinks no evil, God thinks no evil towards you. That's what it says. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, they shall vanish away. For we know in part, watch this, here's where I'm going. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Catch this. But when that which is perfect come, is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, mature, I put away those childish things. For now, who? For now, we see through a glass darkly. That word glass is word in Greek is mirror. For now, we see through a mirror and we see obscure. We don't know his image. We're still falling in that place of, of the fallen place. And we're going, God, I'm, I don't know. Will you answer this prayer? Is this your will? God, do you want this to happen? Is this, and, and we're, we're wondering, and we've got this chess match going on 
We got him up there, us down here. We're trying to figure out what he's doing so we know what to do. And then we're going back and forth and he's, he, one day he might crown you, the next day he's not. If you did well today, it's gonna be going well. So you tie all your business profits and your life profits to how well you do. Well, just go ahead and keep tying that apron around your body, your body with your, your own flesh. You have to know that it's his will to bless you regardless of your goodness or not. It's his goodness that causes him to bless you, not your goodness. Right? And I know what people say. Well, you got to be obedient to the Lord. You cannot even be obedient unless you trade your apron of skin in for his apron. And his apron is his righteousness in Christ. You don't even, you can be the most perfect person because the rich young ruler came in and said, I've done all these things. Look at my, look at my apron. And Jesus says, well, yeah, you did all that, but go sell and give all your stuff to the poor. Whoa. I'll carry my apron forward. And Jesus didn't go after him. Now watch. We look through a mirror, obscurely. Let's go back to that next. But then, look, face to face. What? I'm looking in a mirror and I see my humanity. But there comes a day I've got to look in the mirror and I see his divinity in me. I know in part, but when revelation comes, not when he comes back, he's already coming back. He's by the spirit. Are you, are you hearing what I'm telling you? You don't have to wait till he returns to go, aha, now I can look in the mirror. No, look in the mirror now. What mirror are you seeing? When you look in the mirror of your life and you see yourself, do you see somebody not good enough? If you see yourself not good enough, you don't see him right. I don't see, I see, guys, I'm just, I'm overweight. I got this pain. He made you. I wish I didn't, I wish my nose didn't go that way. I wish that, I'm not talking about all this stuff. Then you start seeing your tendencies. Let's go past, let's get past the flesh. Let's get past the outer world. Then as you start seeing your inner world, begin to going, my mind, oh God, I wish I didn't act that way. I know how I act. And then all of a sudden now you're focused in on that. I've got to repent on how I act. Go ahead and repent on how you act. But if you don't know how he acts, you can repent all day long because you're going to keep acting the way you act until you know how he acts. And the more you see how he acts, the more you recognize when I see him and you focus on him when you see in the mirror, you begin to see him when you look in the mirror. Are you hearing me? He wants to be first. The self-image was destroyed in the garden and Christ came and restored your self-image because your self-image was created in his image. And the more you see yourself, don't, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care. I don't even care what you're doing. Before you act another moment to try to correct your behavior or stay in your behavior, stop and look at him. Look in the mirror. If you see all of your stuff and you don't see him, you need to go back to the word to see him. And I'm not talking about just reading your Bible, reading your Bible to read. You've got to get past the cherubim and the flaming sword in the spirit. Can I tell you why? You're the cherubim. You're the one that covers. Jesus He's standing there talking to Philip. Philip says, show me the father. Jesus was so sure of God's image and so sure of his image that he said, Philip, when you see me, you see the father. Well, it's easy for us to say because Jesus was God. 
I'm going to tell you, there's people, millions of them, billions of them, walking the earth today looking for Jesus. And they're not going to be able to see him until he comes back. So the insinuation is he's left. But he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'll stick it closer to you than a brother. If that be the case, I'm preaching today. God, you've got to get this. Listen to me. If you do not see that he is right here in, you are him. Oh my God. You have his divinity in the earth. Because of you? No, because of him. If you make it about you, you clothe yourself in your own apron. But if you make it about him, he closes you with the skin. Watch this. The skin, which is the veil that was ripped on the day of the cross, which allowed you and the veil was ripped from top to bottom, which starts in your head and your image has to change of who he is, who you are, and it all falls away and there's no veil between you and him. And now you have the ability to go right back into the garden and live in the spirit. So the world is waiting to get into the spirit you're the cherubim. You're the cover of God. Are you hearing me? Where is he? He's in here. He's in here. Then you are his cover. He allowed you to cover him. He made you in his image. And the enemy come and took the image and pointed out you're naked. He was already naked. And I'm going to read next week on Ezekiel 28. It says in this, it says, it says, you were perfect, it says, until iniquity was found in you. Wow, wait a minute. Iniquity was found in him. That means it was already in there. Did you hear what I just said? Iniquity was already in Adam. It just didn't come alive. That gives me a new hope. That we can live in the spirit, in his image, knowing there's junk that's down on the inside of there that just doesn't get to come alive. But you don't know my attitude. You don't, you don't know what I'm, you know, I'm capable of. You know, I got these tendencies. I know, I, 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 if you begin to give life to that, you eat of the wrong tree. Your image is distorted. His image is distorted. And now you're fending for yourself, trying to just do right. And you're battling, and you're battling, and you're battling every day just to try to get this ground, the ground zero. Oh, no, 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 no. 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 He made you in his image. He's righteous. He's holy. He's pure. He's omnipotent. Nothing can separate you from him. Now, if that doesn't build your confidence in him, and the more confidence you have in him, the more confidence you're going to have in yourself. Why? Because it's him. So the next time someone says, it's not really me, it's all God. No. No. If it was all God, I'd, he'd walk around here and just put God on his chest. It's you that God's working through. So he takes this box of a man 
in its frailty and fallen humanity and, and beaten and, and broken and bruised and hurt and, and, and made all kinds of mistakes and, 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 and constantly, constantly struggling. And, str- and somehow he deposits his entire divinity, himself, inside of this box and says, I'm going to let you cover me. And the more you see me right, you'll see that the box is right. And the world wants to see what's in the box. And you can't get to see what's in the box until the box is broken. So the woman comes with the alabaster box of perfume. And she breaks the box. But the religious people are saying, well, there's a lot of money in there. It's worth a lot. Jesus, leave her alone. Why? Because it's what's inside the box that's the value. But he sees the box, the value. That's you. That's me. Stand with me. My gosh. So what Paul says, casting down every vain imagination that rises itself up against the knowledge of God. What's he saying? Image. Anything that is vain is humanity. It's himself. So anything that rises up. So cast down. Cast it down. Anything that tells you you're not like him. So you need to practice this. You need to look in the mirror until you begin to see him. It's not mind over matter. It's allowing the flaming sword, which is the word of God, to show you the way in the spirit. And the word of God, flaming is enchanting. It's like the spirit, the serpent was in this, this scripture. It, one will tell you, if you hear it, that pushes emphasis on man and humanity, then you're hearing it from the wrong perspective. It's enchanting. If you're hearing it, that puts the emphasis on God first and then man, you're hearing it in the spirit. So when you go to God and pray and say, Lord, I mean, I, I gotta have all these things happen in my life. And if your prayers are more about the needs and your situation, I'm gonna encourage you to shift as much time on that as you do on him about, God, you're good. Your mercy endures forever. You're not mad at me. There's no separation between me and you. I I don't know. And, And all of a sudden, things begin to happen in the spirit that you can't make happen with your own apron of skin. The best apron you make in skin still doesn't compare to the apron of the veil of Christ on the cross. Father, in Jesus' name, raise up a generation of people that get it right. Not try to always do right, but get it right. They see you for who you are. There's no misunderstanding. There's no misrepresentation. There's no suspicion or, or skepticism or cynicism. No, 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 no. They just believe you for who you are. 
that you're, you're for us and not against us and no weapon formed against us shall prosper and, and you created us in your image from the very beginning and, and God, you, you brought us back to that very image now that Christ is here. Through him, we're back in your image like we were at the beginning before sin ever even came into the world. Here we are. But God, for some reason, we continue to fight the same battles over and over and over again because somehow, God, we're trying to do what's right in our own humanity to get to you when, God, we couldn't get to you through our own humanity. You had to come in humanity to get to us. So God, make this thing clear that when we look into the mirror and we look through a glass that's obscure and dark, that we keep looking and we keep looking and we keep seeing you and hearing you and, and, and le- seeing the right image to where your perfect wholeness, your perfect purity, your perfect div- divinity all is through your mirror. And we look in the mirror and begin to see ourselves the way you see us. We're not looking through a glass that goes out. We're looking through a mirror that comes back to us because you have chosen us to be your cherubim, to be your cover. Why? Because you want the world to see that you're not to be afraid and they're not to be ashamed or not to be condemned. They're not, no, you paid the price ultimately for us to be restored back to what the, the Adam and Eve had lost in the garden. So Father, we bless you and we thank you. Help us to see it the way it really is and we can walk in the spirit and not in our carnal flesh. In Jesus' name, amen.